Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Young, deep one, looking for the head of Smalling, who nods it across goal to Lindelof, looking for Lukaku, shot into the corner, and Romelu Lukaku gets his second of the game. Alexander-Arnold towards the back post, free header for Virgil van Dijk. Viva short the win now. Straight through again, here's Ozil, a big chance for Arsenal early on. It's taken just three and a half minutes. Mesut Ozil back in the side and back with a bang. Oh my goodness me! That is a calamitous own goal for Tottenham Hotspur. Kieran Trippier tried to roll it back to Hugo Lloris. Hugo Lloris was in the wrong position. The ball has rolled agonisingly across the line. It's the Premier League preview show for week 29 of the 18-19 season. And so we are down to two. Back-to-back defeats leave Tottenham defending the rear instead of attacking the front, leaving Liverpool and Manchester City to battle for the top prize. Someone was due a wallop from Liverpool, and Watford were that team on Wednesday. Has that given the Reds the confidence boost so desperately needed after recent slips? Manchester City needed a dodgy penalty to secure their midweek win, just like it took some dodgy penalties for Chelsea for them to win the Carabao Cup on Sunday. This weekend, they host one of the dodgiest defences in Southampton. Plus, this is exciting news. Brendan Rodgers is back, meaning we will give our lives to make sure this is the best Premier League-related podcast you're going to hear all day. In my hand, I have an envelope detailing which one of our panel today is going to let us down. I'll reveal it at the end of the show. I'm Tom Rennie and this is the Premier League Preview Show. Let's say hello to that panel, starting with TalkSport's football editor, your pal and mine still smarting after Watford took that wallop on Wednesday. It's Dave Walker. How are you, mate? I'm okay. Uh, It was always going to happen. Yeah, it was. Almost, what was it, six nil, five nil, five nil? The record is so bad, yeah, isn't it? Like so that. bad. It's the ups and downs of being a football fan, That's though, all right? right? A five-one yeah. win over Danny Gavidan last week. Yeah. You want to crow today, and you can't because, of course, you've been humiliated last right. night. Well, we're all good. We're all good. You're okay. Yeah. Okay, fine. I'm glad you're in a good mood. We were worried. We're so worried that Gabs actually brought some chocolates in for David Walker today to try and cheer him up, perk him up. In the end, Gabs, former <laughs> Crystal Palace West Ham Cardiff man, you didn't need to. He's fine. He's over it. He's okay. I'm a Liverpool fan as well, so I kind of <laughs> got a little bit of revenge from Friday. <laughs> uh, also with us to complete our panel, the former Arsenal West Ham and Borough striker Jeremy Aliadier is here. How 
How are you, my friend? I'm good, you? I'm doing all right. I like that you and Gabs today are both come in dressed as kind of trawlermen. Uh, with your matching black caps, I think that's really nice. It's well, a good look. Well, we've played together back in the day at West Ham, but you know we haven't spoke to each other for a long time, and that was no plan. That did, was... it, did it go that badly? <laughs> I mean, I was in the stand, so I can say yes. It did. <laughs> difficult times. Uh, difficult times. It was, but we're in good times now, so we will we'll forget about all of that. Let's get on to this week's show, shall we? What a big week this is! Derby weekend in the Premier League. Uh, let's start with this one. Twelve thirty UK time, Saturday. March the 2nd. It is Tottenham up against Arsenal. A couple of stats for this one. Tottenham haven't lost three consecutive Premier League games since November 2012. The third team to beat them in that run. Anybody? It was Arsenal all those years ago. For the Gunners, they have won five of their last six Premier League games, as many as they had in their previous 13 in the Premier League. Got to start with Tottenham. Have to start with Tottenham. Simple question to start today's show. Uh, Danny Gavin, let's come to you first on this. Maurizio Pochettino says it is over for Tottenham following their two losses in a week. Where has it all gone wrong? Um, well, obviously the last two <laughs> results, really. Uh, going to Burnley, I mean, that's a must-win game. They have to go there and win that. Um, Burnley was superb, deserved to win on the day. Um, and then Chelsea's always going to be a difficult one. There was nothing much in that game, really. Um, and then second half, kind of two mistakes, really, has cost them. And it's crazy, really, because we were talking about Tottenham a couple of weeks ago as you know still being in the title challenge kind of thing, but. You know, in a space for a couple of weeks now, yeah. the, the pack's almost caught them. So, you know, Arsenal, if they win, was it one point behind them? It'll be one point. I mean, they had yeah. to win every game, pretty much. Yeah. Tottenham. To have a chance of winning the title, they would have had to have to win every single game from, from last week to the end of the season. So that's gone now. And now all of a sudden, yeah, the, the race for the, for the top four is well and truly on. Mm. Ch- Chelsea have had a, an interesting week, but, but on balance, probably quite a good one. Yeah. United, we know about them. Arsenal been sort of quietly getting on with it the last few weeks and it's on now, isn't it? Yeah, massively. I just think people just focus too much on Harry Kane's return. And they were mm-hmm. they were winning games without Harry Kane. I blame him. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, like, oh, Harry Kane's back, that's it. But you were winning games before when he was injured. Mm-hmm. And now he's back and you know, it's kind of like everybody felt like he's back, that's it, now it's going to be easy, which obviously that's when they started losing games. Before yeah. we get to the wider connotations, I've got to ask you a couple of questions about the game on Wednesday. First up, who was to blame, Kieran Trippier or Hugo Lloris? Lloris, 100%. 100%. Is that Defenders Union or why is Well, that? goalkeeper is part of the Defenders Union, really. But I think you look at it and I just look at keepers in general now and they all want to get involved too much. You know, it's all about this high starting position. Any ball that goes over the top, they feel they have to come out and deal with it. But, you know, Trippier had the situation under control. He just needs his keeper to stay on his line there and he plays it back to him. He can have a touch or he can clear it straight away. But if you look at the ball going over the top, Lloris wouldn't have been able to get there and and collect that there wasn't enough pace on the ball. So he needs to just stay where he is. Trippier obviously looks at him doesn't see him coming in and then he puts his head down and plays the ball and next thing he knows obviously Luis is right next to him so I just think sometimes just leave it to the defender to, to sort it out but you see a lot of keepers now and as I said they want to get involved yeah. the, the high starting position they feel they have to come and, and and get rid of any ball that goes over the top and, and for me he just needs to stay where he is and, and he plays the ball back to him no problem Was there a communication issue there? Though? Someone's got to take control yeah. of that situation right? Well, On the replay you can see Luis is coming out and he, he's saying something to Trippier but I'm not 
exactly sure if he's yeah. saying mine or play it back. I don't really know. But um, I think it was a split couple of seconds, really. So Trippier's obviously, he's seen the keeper. He, he wasn't moving at the time. He's then looked at the ball and thought, I can play it back to him. And in that time where his head's down, then Luis starts to rush out. And obviously, that's when you get the misunderstanding. But I think it should have been Trippier leading that communication-wise more than Luis because the ball's closer to him. I think it's him who should be saying, look, stay where you are or let me deal with it. So now it's Trippier's fault, not Lloris. Well, yeah, maybe I'll switch that around now. I'm actually <laughs> thinking about that. But let's just blame both of them. You're but... so convincing, you've convinced yourself. That's what you've done yeah, there. Gone, yeah, like in a whole circle there. But no, I, I think Trippier has to probably communicate. But for me, Lloris should see that he, he can't deal with that situation. And he's done it quite a lot. Either way, throughout his career, either way, that shouldn't be happening, should it? Well, no, no it shouldn't be happening, no. 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 Jeremy, can I ask you another question uh, about last night? We heard from the Chelsea fans as the second goal went in. It's happening again, it's happening again. Poor old Tottenham, it's happening again. Of course, we remember the battle of the bridge from a couple of years ago when the, the Chelsea uh, side at that day fought Tottenham physically at times and stopped their, their title tilt against Leicester. It happened again at the bridge, as the Chelsea fans put so eloquently. They get right to it, Tottenham. They get right to that stage where we're in it. We're in it to win it. And then you've got Pochettino losing his call at Mike Dean at Turf Moor. You've got Harry Kane going face-to-face with Cesar Aspilicueta. And as we record, uh, there's some discussion he might get a suspension for this weekend, depending on what's in the referee's report and all that. Should be all right, but but Harry Kane basically goes face-to-face with Aspilicueta. Players at Tottenham lose it when the pressure is on, don't they? Yeah, they do. It's frustration, you know. When you when you think you're there mentally, you're not there until you know you've done what you need to do to win matches, and then and then you've got it, you know. And that's what uh, Club keeps saying. He says until the end of season, you know, we title contenders, but we're not we're not there yet. And that's what Spurs are struggling with, and so is so is their players. They 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 seem that when it's time to perform and winning matches, they just the pressure is just too much for them and, and, and as we you just said the frustration that Pochettino Harry Kane all them boys it's just it's just pure because they they know they should do better but they just they just can't it's just not happening for them So something interesting from Joe Cole last night he was covering the game on TV and I wanted to get your view on this from the player's perspective he said if I had my manager speaking about Pochettino saying it might be five to ten years before we're able to challenge with a title to kind of paraphrase what Pochettino said he said immediately Joe Cole he'd be on the phone to his agent saying what am I doing here if you're at Tottenham right now and you hear Pochettino saying that you know what's your response individually would you say get me out of here we're not going to win it well, exactly. What's the point? You just think, like, I thought, I thought that was that's where we wanted to go. That's where the club were going. We're moving stadium. We, you know, we keeping our best player. We giving them new, you know, new contract to keep keep all the top player in the club. And you just place, you know, just saying that we basically aren't gonna win anything for the next five to ten years. Just, just crazy to just come out and say that. Mm. I think it would rile me up, to be honest with you. I don't know if it would be to the point of wanting to find a new club but I'd be looking at my manager and saying well you know are you doubting myself as a player are you, are you doubting us as a, as a squad as is you doubting our our mentality and, and maybe should a little bit because as, as Jeremy said there in the big games they don't show up Tottenham or when they really need a win they don't seem to perform so I think there was a bit of frustration in what Potch was kind of saying there um 
And it could be five, ten years because you look at you know the way Liverpool are performing now. They're constantly improving. Man City, um, you know, Arsenal are slowly coming back. You've got Chelsea there. It's it's such a competitive league now. So, you know, it, it doesn't. You've got to have more than just quality players. You have to have that kind of mental, strong mentality as well. And Tottenham are just lacking that a little bit. So it would hurt me as a player and probably motivate me to want to prove him wrong. I think if anything, but. It depends what he means by that, really. Is he talking about the mentality? Is he talking about we're not going to have the finances for the next kind of couple of seasons to buy the players that we need to challenge for a title? I don't really know. I mean, that could mean a number of things, what he's saying. But I think I would look at it personally and just be like, well, he doesn't believe in, in us as a squad. and It would motivate me more to kind of prove him wrong, I suppose. Uh, let's talk about Arsenal. Uh, Mesut Ozil was uh, once again very impressive in their victory over Bournemouth. I thought he couldn't play against Bournemouth. Too intense these games, aren't they? <laughs> uh, David, you were very impressed with Mesut Ozil's showing and he did a lovely skill for his goal, didn't he, which you've been trying to replicate in the office this morning. I have been trying the Ozil chop in the office, but he's not been going very well. I need more practice. <laughs> but he was good, wasn't he? Like, once he again, well, every time he's played recently, he's actually looked good, but then we don't see him again for three weeks. Well, it's just the same old story with Ozil, isn't it? We, everyone knows he's got great ability when he's on song and Arsenal winning 3-4-0 he pulls out all the tricks and he's brilliant but North London derby at the weekend mm. is he going to be the difference exactly. maker in the game well, Bournemouth's a nice game for him isn't it I mean they don't win away from home Bournemouth they, they concede minimum three against yeah. the top six <laughs> so that's a nice game for Ozil he should play in those games and I expect him to perform you know Bournemouth are very open they'll give him a lot of space and he's a guy who can take full advantage of that as you said there, Dave, game big, big game on the weekend. Can he show up and perform in that and dictate um you know the flow of a game against a, a you know a top quality side like Tottenham? Does he play? Well, who knows? He's got to, you know, he's got to play because everybody wants him to play. All mm. the fans, everybody just screaming for him to play. But mm. uh, you know, like we've just said, he played well against Bate which, you know, they haven't played a competitive game for two months. And uh, he's on the bench against Southampton, come on and done well. And now playing well against Bournemouth, mm-hmm. that, you know, when you score after four minutes, you know, the game's already over. Yeah. You, you know, at the Emirates, you know, you're going to have Arsenal keeping the ball and just, just you know, be, being an easy game. So mm-hmm. let's see on, on Saturday if, if, if he if, plays. If I'm a Bamiyang and Lacazette, like, I want this guy playing behind me every day Jeremy will tell you being a striker because yeah. he will see the passes and he will he will find your runs you know I will be as good as he's been he's a bit erratic at times in the final third with his decision making he's a different kind of player to Ozil I just think play him in his best role in behind Aubameyang or Lacazette and then you've got three workhorses in the mid Torreira can cover the, the space for two players you know he's really fit gets around makes tackles Gwen Doozy lot of energy I think you just get mm. then a midfield behind him that can supplement his lack of kind of defensive kind of tracking back for me Jeremy I want to ask you a couple of questions about Arsenal uh, before we've got to move on um, at home fantastic away from home they are the 8th best team in England 5 defeats already on the road this season uh, the Premier League not England um, because there are other leagues just not on this show <laughs> um, why have they struggled so much away from home and will they struggle this weekend uh, I think they will struggle this weekend, yeah, because playing away from home is a, it's a different game. I think um, you've just got to be ready for a fight, which sometimes at home, you know, Arsenal like to pass the ball around, team are a bit scared to go to the Emirates, it's a big pitch, and they just play differently. So so Arsenal kind of get more time on the ball, and, and if you give them time, then obviously they, you know, they will 
good players. But away, you don't you don't get that much time. Whatever opponent you, you've got in front of you, and and that's why I think Arsenal struggled, and they, and they mm. will struggle at the weekend as well. It's, it's a derby, and it's away, so it, it will be a tough game. Mm. Uh, two players I want to ask you about briefly as well. Uh, firstly, can Laurent Koscielny go more than ten minutes without getting injured? Discuss. Well, he always goes into like horrendous challenge. He puts his head where where everybody else just go and kick it, and he just get. You know, just smashed everywhere all the time. I just want to tell him, mate, just like, just go, but without your head, just go in <laughs> with your foot, or I don't know, just put his head down there and just get smashed all He's the a time. Centre back. He's the person that should be injuring other players. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the other player I, I want to ask you about is Matteo Guendouzi. He was caught for the goal. Uh, against Bournemouth, uh, I've watched him last couple of weeks. I'm not quite seeing the vibrancy, the energy, the the controlling of games we saw in the, the first few weeks. Does he need a bit of a break? Uh, yeah, I think he might do. He's only 19. He's played a lot of games, which I don't think anyone expected him to to play so much on his first season in the Premier League. And um, yeah, I think he might just need to rotate a little bit and and just get a bit of a rest because he's not going to change his way of playing. He loves to get the ball protect the ball and obviously on that goal he got he got caught which you know he, he won't change he'll carry on doing it but he might just yeah just need to get out of the team let Xhaka and Torreira play in the middle and, and for him to to rest a little bit yeah um, we are out of time on the North London derby we don't usually do predictions but because you're here and looking at me uh. I've got to put you on the spot here <laughs> who wins it how's it go 2-1 uh, for Arsenal 2-1 to Arsenal I love it I love it uh, and we'll replay that to you yeah. when Spurs win <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, right next up uh, I want to talk about the other big derby this weekend there are three but two are of real worth um, and one is on Merseyside Everton against Liverpool that's next Right, let's get to Goodison Park. Everton against Liverpool. 4.15 UK time on Sunday. This one gets underway. Everton's record so bad. So bad against Liverpool. They are winless in their last 18 encounters with the Reds in all competitions. Nine draws and nine losses in that time. Their worst ever run against their Merseyside rivals. Jurgen Klopp, by that definition, has never been beaten by Everton. Um, should he be able to win this game, he'll get a bit closer to Bob Paisley and David Ashworth, two managers that have got better unbeaten records against the Toffees than he. Ten and eight games, respectively. Uh, let's start with Liverpool here, because... They have been on the verge in recent weeks of kind of giving someone a bit of a walloping. It hasn't quite worked out. They scored early against Leicester and kind of backed away from it. They scored the opener against West Ham. And then almost I was at the game and they seemed a little bit afraid to get forward and score the second. Uh, against Watford, that was not the case. When they got the first, they got the second, they pushed on. And what was interesting, I thought, Gabs, was that Roberto Firmino's out. Divo Corrigi came in, but it was Sadio Mane who played the number nine role in the game and, and scored two in the first half. Yeah, um, I think Origi coming in, he's obviously a different kind of striker to Firmino. I think Mane, the way he plays, yes, he does look to kind of get in behind, but he does kind of drop into those deep areas as well off that left-hand side. So um, I can understand Klopp sticking him through the middle. Um, Origi obviously did really well as well, got his goal. I just, I thought it was a nice game for Liverpool that as well coming up against Watford. Uh, you know Watford have been excellent, but you know two away games close together, difficult going to Cardiff, doing well. But Liverpool totally different proposition. The way Watford kind of set up with a they kind of four four two four four one one. I think that just kind of plays into Liverpool's hands um, around in the midfield area. Um, 
And I thought Watford, you know, if there is a weakness with their team, it is kind of defensively, really. As well, as good as they've been in recent weeks with some clean sheets, um, Liverpool were able to kind of get in behind them, which we haven't really seen from Liverpool for a number of weeks. So that was a much-needed win for them. Um, Firmino is a key man for me, though. I think I think he's a fantastic player, very very much underrated. What he does for the team, um, played a number of different positions this season, so probably hasn't been on the form of last season. Um, so I don't know if he's going to be fit for the weekend. If he if he is, I think he'll come straight back in because I think he does change the dynamics of their attack a little bit when he's not there. But um, it was much more like a Liverpool performance, a lot yeah. more energy. Um, and, and maybe Klopp needed to do that a bit more. You know, that front three just plays every single game, and I know Rigi's a bit different, but maybe you know if he'd rotated a little bit more in those forward areas. Um, they'd probably be looking a bit fresher. You look at City and what they've been able to do and that's why you kind of fancy them now yeah. between now and the end of the season because their players are fresher. So. The huge thing that, that Liverpool had though last night was Alexander-Arnold. He's yeah. back and they, they really obviously missed him. You had Milner at right back, Fabinho at right back and it's it's all been makeshift but the crosses he was putting in last night were just exceptional. I mean, Pinpoint. There, there weren't, wasn't really a great deal that the Watford defenders could do about them, especially when you got Virgil van Dijk running in at them in the, in the last few minutes as well. Uh, and him and Robertson had a, a great game, and they've, they've both been excellent at times this season. But to have both of them in the team and firing, that is a huge advantage for them, isn't it? Yeah. Well, most of them goals, most of the five goals came from from like crosses or, or wide, you know, wide balls. So mm. uh, that's why you know maybe he was thinking that. Put Manny. I know he's not the biggest, but you always find the right, you know, make it's the right run, and actually, he's, yeah. you know, and that's why he's put him there. Yeah. The goal he scores, the back heel goal. <laughs> now, when you go in at half time, having scored a goal like that, Jeremy, um, would you be thinking to yourself, he's going to praise me here for my brilliant back heel, or would it be criticism for that terrible first touch which led to the back heel? <laughs> what would you be expecting? Listen, the goal's a goal, but actually, I was <laughs> actually thinking. If he did take it first touch, a nice touch, would he have scored? And I'm actually not sure because from where the ball comes, you can see the goalkeeper started to mm. come out. And if he had a good touch, maybe the goalkeeper would have been Smabbled straight it. on it, yeah. and then he would have not had time to to get, yeah. you know, to get He's a decent taking touch. Taking it away from the goalie. He's taking isn't he? it away from I the goalie. I think he actually yeah. does what the Ozil kind of finish as well. I think he purposely yeah. kind of. Of stabs it into, into the, the ground, yeah, yeah, to make to it, to it make it bounce over, it. Over when when the ball's wet and the pitch is wet, if you take it from the top, mm. it kind of slipped and make yeah. the ball go um, go up. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a bit about confidence before we get into Everton, because we mentioned the recent results, some some tough draws. I'm sure everyone at Liverpool was very disappointed by what happened against Bayern Munich. The energy was there, everything was there, the frenetic game that it was, but but didn't score. It's not a bad result, but we'll talk about that nearer that Champions League game. Um, what about this victory and winning in such style as well? I mean, they needed it, didn't they, Liverpool as a football club? They did need it, yeah. I think the last few weeks have been a bit... You know, they, they drew games, they won some games, but always difficult games. They needed that, you know, that big win to kind of... Mm. Tell everyone, no, you know, we still, we still there, we still performing. We we can, you know, we can carry on. We're not gonna gonna drop more points and then let City just pass us and win the league. So they needed that win before Derby as well. It's always, it's always, you know, important. The confidence is massive. You know, that that stage of the season. Mm. Um, let's talk about Everton. They hadn't had a game uh, for some seventeen days. 
um, building up to their victory over uh, Cardiff City. Let's talk a bit about that, shall we? Um, <laughs> <laughs> they made some changes, Everton. Yeah. Um, Andre Gomez on the bench. They've gone with Schneider and Garner in midfield, a much more solid base, and it's proved very effective. And in front of them, Gabs, you, mm. you saw him firsthand, Gilfie Sigurdsson. Um, wonderful performance and a couple mm. of great goals as well. Yeah, um, I think the time off might have helped them because obviously Silva's a man under pressure. Everybody's been scrutinising Everton. Um, a bit of time to work on the training ground, in particular defensive set pieces, which you know they've conceded so many. And coming into that game against Cardiff, they would have been full aware and um, with Cardiff's strengths from set pieces and long throws. And you know they started a little bit nervy, but you know once they got a foothold in the game, then it was comfortable for them. They defended all those kind of set pieces really well. Um, as you said, there I think Snydlin just coming in. Showing things up with with Garner, Garner Gay there, um, just giving a bit more protection to the back four. I think Andre Gomez is a fantastic player who's had a half decent season, but he's not the most defensive minded. Um, and Garner Gay is the kind of defensive midfielder that won't just sit in front of the back four. He actually goes and you know he's a bit like Cantor. He'll you'll vacate space and go chasing the ball. So I just think Snydlin sitting there just shores things up a little bit more for them. Um, and as you said there, Sigerson, you know, he's top goal scorer now, I think, for them. I don't think he's been highly influential in games, but you look at his stats total of goals and it looks impressive. But but he was heavily involved, obviously, um, on Tuesday night um, against Everton. So you want to see him influencing games like that a little bit more. So it was a big win for Silva, obviously a man under pressure and going into the derby game, that will give the team a... A lot of confidence, which they which they much needed. But they, they're going to lose, right? Aren't they? I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> if, if, Form if, goes if, out the window, though, doesn't it? As uh, they say, in the derby games. Well, I mean, not, if not, not in this year, one, it doesn't. Pens if there was every Pickford. year to do it, this is the one, isn't Pens it? This is the one Everton fans to, uh, would love. Um, this oh. could be. Imagine them, how many times have you seen that slip, the, the Denver Bar goal in the last few weeks? Yeah. Every time Liverpool haven't won a game. This could be the new video Everton fans are watching on a loop for the next 20 years. Phil Jagielka's last-minute winner to knock Liverpool out of the title race. I mean, they're going to want this so much, aren't they, Dave? Yeah, but look at it in, in reality. Liverpool just put five past the team who are four points ahead of Everton mm. in the league table. And, you know, look, there, there is a different game. It's a derby and th- there are different emotions in this match. But no matter, no matter about any of that, in this in this game, with all of that taken into account, Liverpool usually win it anyway. Yeah. When, they, they, when they're not playing as well as they are, I mean, <laughs> if you can get something from the reverse fixture, which for those who don't remember it, it's when Jordan Pickford confused the crossbar with a football, <laughs> and uh, was it a Ricky scored late on and got the win? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they can get something from that game, then there's just no way ever and win, right? What what is it about this? Re- I mean, I think it's 1999, isn't it? The last time they managed to beat. Liverpool, that's incredible. Think about what we're all doing in 1999. I mean, <laughs> Dave had the same haircut, sure, but apart from that, everything's changed, isn't it? <laughs> I didn't have the same haircut. To be fair. <laughs> it's incredible, incredible. Listen, think, well, do, do you see that? Do you see? Yeah. Do you agree with Dave? There's no way that Everton. No, I don't. I think Everton can get something. I think yes, you can look at the Watford result and say yes, they played well, but previous results to that they haven't been fantastic Liverpool and you know, the first kind of little blip and they've had a few injuries and stuff you know if I'm an Everton player I'm looking at obviously Van Dijk is a fantastic player but Matip for me mm. I don't really rate him I think he's someone who, who you know they could target um, Calvert-Lewin if he plays again you know his pacing behind um, I think if they can get at Liverpool 
sitting in that midfield area. I think that is Liverpool's kind of weakness. If you can suffocate them um, and stop kind of the, the balls into the front three, then you can nullify a lot of what they do. So it depends on Everton. If they, you know, being the home team, they got to get on the front foot and get after Liverpool and try and suffocate him and press him. And, um, you know, intensity's got to be really good. And I think Liverpool could could find it really difficult. So I, I think it's an even one for me. And I, ju- I just think the freshness of the player is going to be key as well. You mm. know, they've played so many games lately. Every two, three days, there's, there's another game and another game. So let's see if... if there's going to be rotation as well or if he's going to stick with the same players you know it's just who knows what you know what he's going to go for and you know Everton the fact that they haven't played for so long that was Mm. their first game it might might just be in their favour yeah Uh, and Liverpool looked fresh didn't they after their trip to Marbella if there's one thing that will help you in the title race it's tequila Uh, right (laughs) when we come back let's talk about Man City who could do with the rest themselves they go to Bournemouth on Saturday A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Right, let's talk about Bournemouth up against Manchester City. Three o'clock UK time on Saturday. Manchester City have won all seven Premier League meetings with Bournemouth, scoring 24 goals and conceding three in that time. Bournemouth have lost 10 of their last 12 home Premier League games against Big Six quote-unquote opposition. Uh, They'll be Arsenal in January 2018 and Chelsea uh, in their last such game. Uh, Let's start with Man City. I've got to bring this up, right? Now, surely, when we come off recording this programme Thursday morning, we're going to read online the FA are going to be bringing Bernardo Silva in for questioning (laughs) for deceiving the referee against West Ham and getting that penalty. Like, surely, does that kind of decision only happen, does that kind of review only happen if you're not in the top six? <laughs> because we've seen it happen for Lanzini and Nias, we've seen it happen down the leagues, but we don't see it with Mo Salah and we don't see it with Bernardo Silva. It's a dive, right? It's got to be a dive. And he's got the penalty. I'll, I think we have I'll, different I'll, views yeah, on this, I think don't we? Got different views, <laughs> yeah. striker v defender. Are we yeah. starting a war? Yeah, I think yeah. that's one of those. What do you think? Uh, I think he was waiting for it, but I think Anderson has just been just been a bit naive there to get too close to him. You know, we've always been told when you're in the box, just no no contact. You know, as a striker or as a forward player, as soon as you're in the box, you know that any touch you're done. You're playing with it. So 
I'm just a bit. <laughs> I know it was a soft penalty, but I still think it's a pen for me. It yeah, was, it was, I, I didn't think it was a pen, but in modern day football now, you're seeing them given way too often. Unfortunately, that's the way the game's going. But I mean, I loved his enthusiasm, Anderson, to try and get back in there. What I would say is there was two or three bodies around there as well. Um, so maybe he could have gone and just, you know, it still would have been difficult for Bernardo Silva to kind of manoeuvre and do anything. And he's just waiting for any kind of contact because I think he knows he's surrounded by players as well, Bernardo Silva. And he, so he just wants some kind of contact to go over. So I thought it was soft. I mean, it was minimal. But mm. I mean, you see the Casemiro one as well, um, yeah, well on the weekend for Real Madrid, which was probably even worse. But well, you go at the other end of the same game, and Lanzini has exactly the same thing happen to him. He doesn't go down. Mm. Uh, and, you know, as everyone always says, don't go down. You don't get the penalty that he should have done. But there we go. We've got to move on from that. That just annoyed me. Um, <laughs> let's talk a bit about Man City, though. Um, they did look leggy in the game. They had twenty odd shots, eighty percent of the ball. You know, that is quite tough to keep up. West Ham didn't want the ball. But that's a couple of days after they've done 120 minutes and penalties against Chelsea. They made a couple of changes, but to go win the game, they had to bring Sterling on. They had to bring on the cavalry. Uh, and also, no Fernandinho in this game as well, which is a massive, massive blow, isn't it? Last time he was out, look what happened. That's when they went on that bad run. They lost to Leicester, they lost to Crystal Palace, and, and it only started coming back when he was back. So that, that would be a big concern for me as, as a Man City fan. He is the guy they... Well, they can't replace. They don't have a like-for-like replacement for him today. Every other position they pretty much do. The left-back position is a little bit of an issue for them. But after that, it's Fernandinho. Um, And as you said, when he was missing previously, they really struggled. So I think Man City as a team are a bit more vulnerable on the counter-attack now with him not being in there because he's so clever. You know, he he stops things at source. Those cute, clever fouls that he he does are so important, stopping teams counter-attacking on them. But... Um, I mean, it's difficult even for Man City at times with the players that they got. You know, if teams are stubborn and you know get back in their shape, it can be really difficult for <clears throat> even them to to break teams down. But they seem to, you know, find a way. So um, they're not going to come up against that this Saturday, are they? Against Bournemouth? no Bournemouth are going to be as open as you like. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, Bournemouth against the top six is just they just don't beat anybody do they lose heavily the closest they got was probably last season against Man City it was the the first of many Raheem Sterling 96 winners wasn't it I think yeah Yeah. well Bournemouth at home uh, a little bit of a different proposition they They did thrash Chelsea you know it isn't the greatest of Chelsea's but they absolutely thrashed them I've got to ask you about this because I was listening to Eddie Howe I find him so interesting when he talks after games and he said of the players and this is interesting to get your take on this he said I want my players to take ownership of the thrashing against Arsenal what does that mean? Uh, I actually don't know you're just blaming your players saying that which I'm, I'm a bit surprised because these guys you know his responsibility in the, in the, in the thrashing mm-hmm. as well I guess if if he's put, if he's work on something all week to be compact, and then you go on the weekend, and then you just get smashed because your player didn't respect it, then then that's you know that's obviously something that you can that you can say. But the way the way they played uh, yesterday against Arsenal, they were just open as as normal really. So I'm not sure it's only the players. Them? Do you think he asked them to be a bit more compact and tighter and more professional? He, he, he might have. I think he should. <laughs> because the way they gain they gain trash like this, giving goals away because the first goal of like Ozil is just on his own in the in the box. There's the defenders on centre back, I don't even know where they are. You know, nobody's there. One's gone 
right back going pressing somewhere and, and the space is just is just crazy which yeah. if you give that to Man City you, you just just going to be I, a tough one I think sometimes as a manager sometimes you can only do so much you can do your work on the training ground you can set the team up you can have a game plan um, but I mean you look at the was it the first goal um, Smith the fullback gives the ball away mm. I think in a in a bad area of the field, Arsenal go and punish them. And I think that's what he's trying to say. You know, individual mistakes, players taking ownership, um, doing the right things in the right areas of the field. As a manager, you can only do so much and prepare the team leading up to the game. Then the players have to go onto the pitch and um, and replicate the game plan or, you know, make the right decisions mentally. And you can't play like that against the top teams. You know, you can't give the ball away in dangerous areas and do silly things because, yeah. you know, the likes of Rose and these players will absolutely punish you. So I think... What he's trying to say is basically, yeah, it was your fault as players. Yeah, you have to take yeah, ownership of that yeah, result and, and do better. You're right. If you play against them, them top teams and, and you've worked all week and, and you lose the game on, on defensive, just silly mistake, basic yeah. of football. Like, you know, how many times as kids we've been told do never pass the ball across the field at the back. Like, never do that. It's mm. something, unless you're 100% sure, yeah. you, don't, you don't do that. And when you start making them kind of mistakes, then, then, yes. I think Eddie's got to look at himself a little bit though and say look our results against the top six or the amount of goals we've been conceding in, in recent games is not good enough I maybe need to do something different myself so you see them play a lot with this 4-4-2 maybe change things put an extra midfielder in there play a 4-5-1 make yourself a bit more difficult to beat keep yourself actually in games I know obviously Wilson being injured Brooks is a big kind of lost them but you think then okay we've lost two of our best attacking players okay let's be a little bit more defensive then and yeah. keep ourselves in games so I think he has to look at himself a little bit and say am I setting my team up the best possible way to get results as well well hopefully for entertainment value they won't do that this weekend uh, let's move on to Fulham against Chelsea five past two on Sunday UK time now as I'm going to ask this question I'm furiously scrolling through Twitter in case we get a confirmation that Claudio Ranieri has been sacked while we're on air uh, we are expecting something to happen on Thursday so by the time people hear this he may well be gone um, I was thinking back to go on well, the, the line from, from the club on Thursday morning is that Claudio Ranieri is taking training today. Right. But there are lots of reports in the media. Uh, I think the Sun broke it first, saying that he, he will be sacked today and Scott Parker will be in charge for the, for the weekend. So, um, see, space. professional. That's why we bring him uh, on there, because he does the research. <laughs> I just scroll through Twitter and hope for the best. Um, when he came in in November, um, he was called a risk-free appointment, Claudio Ranieri. Um it hasn't gone well. I think it's fair to say. Who called yeah. him that? Tony Khan. Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah. And I mean, that's a ludicrous thing to thing to say. No matter who you're appointing at any, at any level of the game, there's always a risk attached to it mm-hmm. when, when someone comes in. And especially when you were in the situation that Fulham were in, spent the, the, the enormous amount of money that they spent and there were big problems. And just because Claudio Ranieri has had success in certain places in his career, obviously most recently with Leicester, mm. to expect him to just come in and, and shoot them up the, shoot them up the table. Did. Exactly. And it, it was always a big risk. And it, 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 the, the, the big risk that they took was doing what they did in the summer and spending all that money on all those players without seemingly having a clear strategy as to, to what they were going to do with them. Mm. I mean, that defence uh, at the moment, I went to the West Ham game last Friday, whenever it was, and... When I saw Havard Nordweit in that starting eleven, having seen him so desperately fail at West Ham a couple of years ago, I was thinking, is he their best defender alongside Tim Ream and then Dennis Adoy, who looks like the work experience kid? Like it, it <laughs> <laughs> like it's just, it's just, 
it, it's baffling, isn't it? It's, there's no surprise they're going to be going down. Ralph Hasenhutl said after Southampton beat them uh, Wednesday that it's now just one space left, two are gone. You can't argue with that, can you? They're down. It's as simple as that. They are down um, unless something drastically changes and that might have to start with Ranieri going because I wasn't sure about him coming in and being the guy anyway. Um, but what I did think he would go in there and do is get them a bit more organised and defensively solid at least but that hasn't happened they are they're conceding on average I think it's 2.25 goals per game and scoring less than one a game so that's everything you need to know about Fulham um, if that continues they're down it's as simple as that and they're just all over the place just a lack of organisation you know, they've, they've got good players there you know even the likes of Dennis Adore and Tim Ream if you're organised and you have a game plan and you're set up in the right way even those players can look half decent. Look, I've seen it. I've, you know, when I was at Crystal Palace, we got promoted to the Premier League. We didn't have fantastic players. You had myself and Damien Delaney playing at centre back, um, but we were organised. We had, you know, Mile Jedinak in in front of us. You know, big defensive midfielder. The, the wingers were doing their jobs, getting back, defending, and we were really were difficult to beat. Yeah, everybody knew their jobs, but you look at Fulham and nobody seems to know what they're doing. Everyone seems to have a license to do what they want. There's spaces everywhere. They get yeah. counter-attacked on, individual they mistakes. Set pieces. Set Every pieces. time West Ham yeah. got a corner last week, it looked like they were yeah. score. And, and, and the thing yeah. is, it's not like they haven't been going ahead in games either. I think Burnley, they went ahead early. Yeah. Shirley scored that worldie and yeah. they got beat. Spurs, they scored first, got beat in the last seconds of the game. West Ham, yeah. they went ahead and ended up losing that. So they have been like getting the first goal, but you just know even if they score first, they need to get the third or the fourth because they are so defensively yeah. poor. Yeah, now defensively is just obviously is the base. You know, you've got you've got defensively be strong and not like you said, not what you're doing. If you're not organised and, and nobody kind of know what's going on it's, it's just de- it's demoralising for you as a forward player right mm. if you're doing your best and every time the ball goes down the other end it's going in, in the net right it's just impossible because you just feel like you've basically as a striker you've got to score two three goals a game to win it yeah. which is like you know like like Danny said you you, you 1-0 up you'll be like come on guys defence now we've just got all be compact and be really hard to, to you know to get beat now we 1-0 up you know and, and, and just, just Defensively, yeah. just uh, they are absolutely. I think it's fair to say, Havard Nordvite. Mocky Ryan's Briefly on Ranieri, if Scott Parker comes in, as we understand, for the last few games of the season, just to see him through, former teammate of yours, of course. Yeah, I know Scotty well, um, and he will do no worse than what Ranieri's doing. I'm sure he'll be looking on the outside and saying, Look, what is he doing there? You know, I wouldn't be doing that. Um, he will get them organised, I think, at least, um, and more difficult to beat. And Is he a manager, t- manager in the making? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott, he's um, he's he was a leader on the pitch. Yeah, he? yeah. That's yeah. what I was going to say. I'm not. I don't know him personally, but played against him very many times. He was one of them guys that you could see really, you know, tough and desire and fight to the last minute. And that's probably what it will give to yeah, to his 100%, players. Yeah. 100%. Um, we thought when we came into this game we'd be talking about a manager getting the sack uh, and we thought it would probably be Maurizio Sarri but that seems to not be the case now it's all turned around right it's all going well for him now what a win it was against Spurs like take away from the drama and the trippier and all that they played very very well didn't they yeah, they did. Which I, I thought they played well against Man City as well. It's just, it's just, you know, mm, I just right. think. It's, uh, okay. Well, I thought know. second half they were 
probably the better team. I, f- but, I think yeah. when we talk about organisation and yeah, our, okay. our, our mm. hard to to score against, I think Chelsea is probably one of the you know the, the, the defensively. Even if they've got David Luiz, that kind of do a bit what he wants to do as well sometimes. <laughs> but you know, just but it's more the outside that kind of took place after the game, you know, yeah. City game, and just made you. Mm. It's been an interesting seven days, isn't it, for Sari? Because that that situation on on Sunday at Wembley was unbelievable. Mm. I've, I've never seen anything like that before. I doubt anyone else has in in, in this room. And you were looking at that after it, thinking, okay, well, this is going to go one or two ways now. He, you know, he could easily be out the door within a few days here, but he's actually come out of it all right. Mm. I know there was the whole effort to spin it after the game and saying it was a misunderstanding. Well, it clearly wasn't because no. he's dropped him. He's fined him. It was obviously a, a, an act of disobedience, and that's putting it kindly on the act of Kepper. He's dropped him. They've beaten Spurs. He has made a couple of changes. He still hasn't made the, the one that everyone wants him to. He hasn't got Kante in, in the best position, but he changed. He put Emerson in at left back, who played quite well against Man City. Nearly created a few chances for, for Hazard, were it not for the for the flags. And it, all of a sudden, he's, he's looking. A bit, a lot better than he was this time last week yeah. when he was out the door. I wouldn't disagree. And I think the Kepa things actually helped him a little bit. Yeah. I think sympathy-wise, people have actually thought, you know, I feel a little bit sorry for what Kepa's done to him. So I think from the outside, um, the pressure's probably come off him a little bit with what Kepa did. Um, I think defensively, they've been very good the last two games. And I think maybe some learning has come out of this from him as well you know playing against big teams maybe I have to adjust things a little bit you have to be difficult to beat and they were against Tottenham um, last night or whatever as well Um, and they they haven't been that in in recent weeks they've been very open and and for me when you play with David Luiz and Rudiger for me two centre-backs who are good players yes but not you know you look at the top four top five would they get in to anybody's defence probably not so if you have defenders like that, you have to then be get protected in front, and they probably won't get in that with Jorginho because he, he lacks a bit of mobility and the spaces were too big with their fullbacks kind of pushing on. So I think the last couple of games have been a lot more narrow, compact, uh, and better defensively. And then they're always going to create chances with the players that they got going forward. So. We're going to move on, but in a word, does Kepa come back in or does Caballero start? Ooh. In a word, no. No, no. Can't change a winning team. Absolutely. Clean sweep. Caballero, bald and beard. Good luck. He stays <laughs> in goal. It's been decided. Uh, right, when we come back, let's talk about Watford up against Leicester. Brendan Rogers is back. Turn down the floodlights. The shining grin returns. <laughs> Well, let's talk about Watford up against Leicester. 12 o'clock UK time on Sunday. Watford have won two of their nine Premier League meetings with Leicester, though both of those came in their last two home games against them. But it's all about Brendan Rodgers making his return to the Premier League. His first Premier League encounter against Watford, a club he formerly was in charge of, of course. Uh, Brendan Rodgers back in the Premier League. That's a good thing, right? Pleasing to see someone of, of his persona back in the Premier League, and he might give some of that persona to Leicester City, who in recent weeks and months were desperately lacking a little bit of character on the field. He wants to field it. Lots of sideways glances here from the group. They're going to have more fun, aren't they? If not, even if their league position doesn't dramatically improve, which it, which it may or may not do, they're going to enjoy themselves a bit. They're going to see some nice football, and 
Claude Puel, even though sometimes he, he wanted to play nice football, there, a whole thing under Claude Puel at Southampton at Leicester was it wasn't really very fun. <laughs> you lead by example, and it all comes from the top, and, and it was just joyless. Yeah, uh, it, you know what? Listen, I'm not going to disagree with that because it happened at Southampton and at Leicester. You can see the players obviously just turn against him quite quickly and didn't enjoy. And as we know, as a player, when you start like not wanting to go and train because the trainings are not enjoyable, then it's, it's difficult. But even if he's even in his um, in his interview, Claude Puel, you just feel God. I would not like, like want to have him as a, as a coach. Do you know what I mean? It's like always very like you just think, oh God, no. Jeremy, so can I ask you a question on this? Go on. You've been through Celtic, of course, yeah. um, and, and you would have seen the banner. I'm sure, uh, never a Celt, always a fraud uh, at the Celtic game. Is it a better option for Brendan Rodgers to be at Leicester City than win the treble treble at Celtic? Yeah, I think so. I think after a few years that he's won, you know, he's won leagues, trophies mm, there. Seven in seven. Yeah, what, what, where, where can he go from there with Celtic? He's never going to win the Champions League with them. So, you know, I think it was the right choice for him to, to come back in the Premier League, yeah. I totally agree. Um, I think Celtic, yes, I mean, it's a massive club worldwide. Um, but I think he's gone as far as he can go there. He's never going to get the investment there. Um that he needs to, I mean, he doesn't need it to win the league. Maybe I mean, Rangers are coming back so and challenging, but for him to compete in the Champions League, he's never going to get, you know, the, the the finances that he needs. Celtic, they just don't spend enough money. So, I think he's looked at that and thought it's time to move on. You know, people coming out saying, "Oh, the timing's bad" and all that. Well, what Celtic? How far are they in the league? I mean, what is it now? I don't know. I think nine, it's eight ten, or something. Yeah, yeah, eight, nine points. So, you know, how many managers leave a team in a position of strength? Not too many. Mm. So, it's not all bad. Lou Lennon's going to come in and they're not going to, like, lose the league or whatever. So, and you can't pick and choose when jobs come up. You know, this job mm. comes up. It it's might true. not be there in the summer. They might have said to him, you know, Lester might have said, look, you take the job now or we're going to yeah. go and get someone else. So, you know, he's had to make a decision and I just think it's a great move for him. Is he a top six manager? Probably not. Well, he's finished second. Yeah. Well, yeah. So he, he, has, would say, he would say, I am a top six manager. Well, I think yeah. the way that <laughs> they obviously threw that away and then the following season, <laughs> Liverpool were poor, they got rid yeah. of him. So he's, 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 he was damaged a little bit. So he had to go and rebuild himself yeah. at Celtic. Um, but yeah, I think this for him, he'll look at this as being a, a stepping stone back into the top six. Well, if, if possibly, can, I mean, yeah. if you can take Leicester into the top six, then yeah. great, you can take, take your pick. They're probably the best team to manage yeah. outside the top six, regards to fan you, base, finances, seventh, players. If you win in a cup, I think so. I saw it brilliantly described. You've got to forgive me, I can't remember who it was, but they basically said that every season for Leicester forever is going to be after the Lord Mayor's show. <laughs> if you go into West Ham or Everton or Wolves or Watford, there's the possibility you could achieve something the Leicester fans immortal aren't that for Leicester. No, they know they're, they know like they're that, never going to win the league again in that in that fashion. Not in the not in the near future. Fifty years time, everything has changed. Who knows? But you've got to just put that behind. That happened. That was brilliant. That was something that ha- happened to us, and we'll remember it forever. But now, mm. what's our goal? It's to be as best as we can be, and it's to, to if we can. Exactly. But the treatment of Puel and Shakespeare seven. suggests that that's easier said than done. Mm. They're not doing too bad. They're in 11th, they're in the battle for 7th, it's all going all right. And yet it was open revolt when they got done by Palace. I think there is few teams in the same calibre. We'll put West Ham in there as well, you know, like you just, season's long, you just don't know, you know, you can't can't just say, oh, 
you know, with Brendan Rodgers, we're going to finish seventh and fight for top six. It's difficult. Look at Everton. Look at, you know, it's just... It's competitive. It's competitive. Yeah, it's very difficult. And, and keeping your best player as well yeah. because, you know, when you get the Madison yeah. coming through and, and doing really well, yeah. I'm sure you'll have top clubs mm. after him. Maguire at the back, you know, you just... Well, with him, it's about developing players as well. So he would have looked at that lesser squad and thought, you know, there's some good players there that I can work with. You know, he's a fantastic coach. So they've um, got one of the youngest average age squads they in have, the league. They have, so yeah. they can get better. I mean, there is improvements to be made. Whether they can break into that, you know, top six is going to be difficult. But they can be challenging for Europe. They yeah. can be challenging for FA Cups, League Cups for me with the, the squad that they have. So I think it's a really good move for him. It's just whether he can manage that dressing room because yeah. you know the likes of Vardy they obviously if they don't like you then they don't play for you a little bit like the Chelsea boys to be fair so um, I think it's fair to say we all agree good move all round sorry yeah. Celtic uh, they take on Watford uh, this weekend memories of those great playoff matches a few years ago as well Where do you remember where you were Dave were you there I was in my bedroom watching it on my computer. Oh, yeah. Just smash the place up when they go away. I went absolutely <laughs> bonkers, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. For those that, that don't know what we're talking about, just just Google it. you got to. It's one of the greatest moments in recent football history. <laughs> uh, Watford against Leicester in the playoffs from five years ago, something like that. Oh, yes. Uh, search it. Incredible. Listen, we've got to move on. Let's talk about some of the teams that are in a bit of trouble here. You've not even mentioned Watford there. No, no, we, we, we talked about Watford earlier. We're overrunning. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. Do you want to? We mentioned him earlier. <laughs> he's the one who wound up Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, okay, let's do ten minutes on Watford. <laughs> so, how bad were they against Liverpool? Gabs, go. Horrendous. 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 There you go. Do you want more of that? All right, no. Okay. <laughs> right, let's move on to Brighton against Huddersfield. This is at three o'clock UK time on Saturday. Brighton's tailspin continues. Um, played all right against Leicester, still lost. Chris Hutton keeps talking about character. But he also seemed a little bit bored to keep talking about character. Eventually, Jeremy's players have got to show it and they've got to start against Huddersfield. Well, yeah, you know, massive game for them. They keep, you know, losing games and, and not picking up points, Brighton. And next thing you know, they're, they're down there and they're fighting for relegation as well. So uh, playing against Huddersfield, which in my eyes, they're down already. They've got nothing to uh, nothing to lose. <laughs> Off the back of a win, though. Makes they did, them dangerous. They get a win in the win. I didn't know, they? they finally did, yeah. Well. A bit of confidence, perhaps. Yeah. You know, well, yeah. Jan Sievert said there's still a chance. <laughs> you never know. You never know in football. You're saying there's a chance? <laughs> Samsonite! Isn't it amazing that uh, Huddersfield have got 14 points and they officially won't be the worst team ever in the Premier League yeah. uh, now three points above Derby. Six of the 14 have come against Wolves. Isn't that mad? Beaten Wolves twice this season who find themselves in seventh and the best of the rest. How does it happen like that? <laughs> I, I don't it. know. I don't know. I don't know how these things crop up, but... It does make them a dangerous team, as Jeremy said. I mean, they got nothing to lose. They need to win every game. That was a good win for they deserved it as well. I mean, the last one was in November, 14 games without a win. So that would have felt great. You saw the way Jan Sievert celebrated after the game. He was wow. uh, absolutely buzzing, wasn't he? So um, Brighton are in trouble. Yeah. They are in deep trouble at the minute. They are getting sucked into a relegation dogfight. Um Lacking goals, you know, they're conceding goals now as well, which they don't normally do. I think Glenn Murray's got 10 goals, and then I think it's Shane Duffy, the centre half, with five. So if you look at their top five goal scorers, two of them are centre backs. Dunk's got two. So heavily reliant on Murray. If he don't score, you're wondering who else is going to. I think you look at their recruitment this season, it's been poor. Um, it's, it's pretty much the same kind of 11 yeah. from last season. No one's really come in and, and improved them. 
Esquiedo has been a big miss, I think, as well. Um, he's just come back from injuries. The guy, obviously, with the electric pace who gives him a bit of counter-attacking. I think you look at Brighton and they do lack a bit of pace on the counter-attack. So maybe he can come back now and get himself back in fit and firing and maybe give them a bit of impetus. But this is this is a big game for Brighton. It's a, it's a must-win game for me. Yeah, um, just one point in five. That came against... Watford! Yeah, <laughs> mention them again, that's the important thing. Uh, right, let's talk Southampton, who go to Manchester United, 3 o'clock UK time on Saturday. Uh, we'll do menu in a minute, but on Southampton, what a win for them uh, against Fulham. And you could see when they scored the second, the relief around the place. You know, Ralph Hasenhutl's improved a lot there, they played some good football, but it had just tailed off, hadn't it? A couple of draws and a couple of losses as well. Uh, huge result, but it is going to be tough for them at Old Trafford, this rejuvenated menu, isn't it? Yeah, I can't. I can't see them getting anything uh, at Man U. It will be tough. I saw them against Arsenal a couple of games ago, Southampton, and they just you know, like we talked earlier on, defensively, just just give goals away. Basically, just say, here we go, have one, and then and then that's it. And you just like, how can you make the mistake as a centre back? It's just it's just crazy. So if they they do that at Man U, it's just going to be a another defeat for me yeah he called it a win without mistakes against Fulham and maybe Ralph Hasenhood will stop making mistakes and he's brought some strikers back and he played Charlie Austin from the start yeah and, and we've seen if Charlie can stay fit for long enough and play enough games he, he's got a reasonable goal scoring record and that's been their problem this season Danny Ings hasn't played enough yeah. football either when he's on the pitch and playing well he's looked dangerous but they just haven't been able to get them on the pitch enough have they Yeah. Uh, briefly to Manchester United since Ole Gunnar Solskjaer took charge they've won at least five more Premier League points than any other side has he got the job yet has that happened I think it's all done I think it's all done as yeah. well but I'm, Do you sign I'm, up? I'm kind of thinking <sighs> Is he going to work next season for him? Yeah. You know, starting fresh. As a, you know, I don't, I don't know because he came, he came with kind of nothing not much, to lose, nothing really. to yeah. lose, kind of. You know, and and knowing he's only there till the end of the season, he's done so well now. I've, like like you said, I think he's got the job. He's they'll get they'll him, give, yeah. yeah, they'll give it to I, him. I think, how can you give it to him really they're after? Talking, they're already talking about his transfer targets for, yeah. for the summer. Reports today they're going to go after Wan Bissaka from Palace and Koulibaly from Napoli. Uh, Rakitic has been linked. All, the, all these big names, you know. Mm. So mm. it's it's all it's they're very much looking to the future yeah. at Manchester United now. Uh, and one line following their game against Crystal Palace, you know, we've spoken a lot about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and the mentality change and all that. Well, Roy Hodgson said it wasn't about mentality why Man U won this game. They won it because they were organised, they were disciplined, they were well coached. Uh, and that's Roy Hodgson, nearly 72, talking about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I think that's a lot of praise. Always uh, been a big fan of the Norwegians, has Roy. Very true, very true. Did someone mention Watford? No, it's fine. Um, right, let's talk about another game this weekend. Wolves against Cardiff City, uh, 3 o'clock UK time on Saturday. We mentioned Wolves, who lost against Huddersfield in midweek. Didn't have a single shot on target in that game. First time it's happened this season to them. First time it's happened under Nuno during his time there. Uh, but Cardiff winning two of their last four. But Gabs... The team that beat Southampton, I remember thinking, I'm looking at some of these players, you know, Joe Rawls, Harry Arter and a few others, Callum Patterson, thinking they've got the the right mentality to fight to stay in the Premier League. Then we saw them in the last couple of games and we're seeing the exact opposite. What's changed? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I mean, Warnock give them a little bit of time off. <laughs> and I don't know where they went, those players, but they've come back and, it, I mean, they're still on their detches, I think, to be honest with you, because the... The two performances at home, you know, two big home games. You know, Watford, they got 
they got torn apart. They looked, they were disorganised all over the place. And the same again against Everton. Um, and the previous two games before that was the complete opposite. I mean, they were running around like like madmen. They were high energy. They looked organised. Defensively, were better. Um, everybody knew what they were doing. They looked a threat going forward as well when Nias. But I don't know. The last couple of games, they've just looked disinterested. I don't. I don't know what's gone on. Um, the manager has kind of changed things around a bit. He keeps changing the system and rotating the the players. I don't know why he does that because we're not in the championship anymore. Mm. It's it's one game a week for most of the season in the Premier League. You, 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 players should be able to play week in, week out. I don't know if it's whether the way they play because they play this old school man marking system where players just follow mm. players everywhere and that that takes a lot out of you having to do that. You know, following players all around the pitch into silly ears of the pitch and maybe the players are just not fit enough to do that and maybe that's why he's having to rotate I don't know but for whatever reason the last couple of games they've been I mean it's been relegation you know performances really so they need to improve against Wolves which is going to be difficult yeah they find themselves in the bottom three now Cardiff City 18th position 25 points two behind Southampton big game against Wolves Uh, let's talk West Ham against Newcastle 5.30 UK time on Saturday the Hammers have lost just one of their last seven home league games Um, a fortress the home of, of athletics, Jeremy. Who knew? Yeah, who knew? Well, I think, you know, they've they've had a decent season, West Ham, you know. Pellegrini's just came in, got a few good quality players, you know, and, and obviously Lanzini coming back, you know. It's, uh, when you've got them kind of flair player like Nasri, them guys, they, they'll always find, you know, something to create chances and to, and to score goals. So, he's, uh, yeah, I think he's done a good season. If If... if at the end of the season, he can buy some new players, and he's got fans. That next season, they could they could be a, a good season for them. The most West Ham thing ever happened, Gabs, uh, during the game in midweek. So um, it turns out Aaron Cresswell broke his toe against Fulham, so he's going to be missing the next four weeks or so. Uh, at the same time, Arthur Masawaku, his backup, is injured. They bring in Ben Johnson, the teenager from the youth team, during the game, uh, Danny's calf muscle. So three left backs are out at the same time. <laughs> Typical. West How is that possible? Huh? Well, it's West Ham. Anything's possible with regards to injuries. But <laughs> I, I'm still undecided on this season as yet because it's obviously still a few games to go and they're in a position where it can still go either way for me. You know, if Newcastle beat them, they go, well, one, Newcastle, yeah, they go mm. one point behind them, which you wouldn't have thought that a few weeks ago where they were sitting almost in a relegation zone, yep. Newcastle. So they're a difficult team to play against. They're organised. You know, Rafa's got them playing well with his three-at-the-back system. Obviously, Rondon scoring goals now. That goal by Fabian Cher as well. What a strike that that was. Um, Longstaff looks a fantastic young player as well. Um, It's just the kind of team. Yeah. You know it, (laughs) I know it. I don't want to say it, it, Tom. I really don't want to say it. I think that front three at Newcastle, all of a sudden, I was doing their game a couple of nights ago, and all of a sudden, with Ayose Perez on one side, Almer on the other, who looks like an absolute live wire, going to compete with Phil Jones for Gurning Champion of the Premier League, by the way. (laughs) Fantastic. Uh, And Rondon as well. They have a threat. It could be a good game. Looking forward to Longstaff against Rice as well. I think you've got to get the first goal against Newcastle. Really important. If you get the first goal, then obviously they'd have to change and come out. a bit more space but the longer the game goes on and you don't score 
I think that's when Newcastle kind of mm. come into things. Then they're they're, diff- they're so organised, really organised team. Yeah, I think that one's uh, in the balance. Uh, one final game we not mentioned: Burnley against Crystal Palace, three o'clock UK time on Saturday. Burnley's recent good form ended against Newcastle in midweek. Crystal Palace uh, pushed Manu hard in midweek, but ended up losing the game. But they're a better away side, aren't they, Crystal Palace? Fifty-six point seven percent of their Premier League points have come away from home this season. We're out of time, so Jeremy, give me a score. Um. Uh, that really helps. One, one. That really helps the timing. One, one, on. one draw. <laughs> one, one, one draw. One. Okay, yeah. fine. Right, we're out of time. Gabs, thank you very much indeed. Jeremy, David Walker, as ever. We're going to enjoy these chocolates <laughs> that Gabs brought in for the team. My pleasure. Why did you bring these in, Gabs? What did we do? Oh, these are such a good chocolates as well. Expensive as well, though. With, enjoy. Is, with, enjoy. Is this really for the wife, but she's thrown you out? <laughs> Come on, you can tell us. We'll, we'll be back next week with was, Danny Gabbard yeah. on and someone <laughs> else. I was going to bring him back for the girlfriend, but then that looks like it's an admission of guilt, isn't it? When that is true. Like that. that is so, true. Um, I'll, I'll take these back to my wife because she knows I've done something wrong. <laughs> um, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thank you. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.